Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to a special edition of the Blood Red podcast, a breakout episode of sorts, as we react to the news that Jude Bellingham is no longer a transfer target for Liverpool, with the Reds pulling out of the deal over his high price tag. I'm your host for today, Patrick Smith, and to react to this massive news ahead of a huge summer transfer window for the Reds, I'm joined by Chief LFC writer for Liverpool Echo, Ian Doyle, and the Echo's LFC correspondent, Paul Gorst. So just a brief overview for those of you who may be unaware of the exact chain of events, and to recap... Last night, it was rumoured and revealed that Liverpool had made an opening bid to Borussia Dortmund for Jude Bellingham. And then less than an hour later, the floodgates opened and heaps of reports were published claiming that Liverpool have pulled out of the race for Bellingham and will be no longer pursuing him. With the potential cost, a figure we estimate to be upwards of £130 million being too pricey for the Reds. Ian Doyle, I'll come to you first on this. What was your initial reaction and how do you reflect on the news following a night's sleep? Now, my initial reaction was, I wish that story had broken a bit earlier in the day because I'd already finished my shift. And so still work is the quarter past 11, because basically it's all about me, isn't it? Uh, but I think the timeline is actually that there was that rumour of the of a bid being put in. But I think it's fair to say that that seems particularly unlikely, given that it was only a few, what was it, like an hour later or two hours later? It wasn't that much after that. It but, was during the City match, wasn't yeah, it? Basically it was Paul, yeah. Paul Joyce at the time, so everybody, you know, ghosty knows that he's one of the best in terms of getting transfer lines. And so he got the story that, Basically, everybody wanted to get from a journalistic point of view. Obviously, I mean, I put a tweet out saying this is a great story and had loads of Liverpool fans going back. It's not. It's a terrible story. But from a journalistic point of view, it's a brilliant story. Let's be honest. You know, we then, obviously, we checked it out and it turned out to be true. So, yeah, Liverpool have stepped away and, you know, it doesn't really matter what order all those things happen. The, the, the fact of the matter is that Liverpool are now looking elsewhere at midfielders. The thing as well is that if you actually look back at the everything that's happened and the words that have come out, all the, the, the you know, the, the, the suggestions from the club and what Jurgen Klopp's been saying, you can go back and you can say, well, we actually all, it's obvious this was coming. You know, you can see all the signs. I mean, it can, you could argue either way, to be honest. They left certain things certainly vague, but, you know, Ghosty's written in the past that Liverpool have got more than one list of uh, midfielders that they were looking at for the summer. There's a lot of variables in it where Liverpool are going to finish. Are they going to have the investment in time? And you'd have to say, well, Liverpool aren't going to finish in the top four. Now, whether or not that made any difference to Bellingham, I don't know. I don't actually think it would have done, to be honest. Uh, but it would make a difference for Liverpool's finances. And the fact that Liverpool are, what, eighth at the moment, 12 points off the top four, suggests that the team hasn't been performing anywhere near the level and that the you know, the, the work that needs to be done in the transfer window in the summer is more than when they first started doing the groundwork for any Bellingham move. And, of course, anybody knows players cost money, not just the the fees, but the, obviously the wages as well. And yeah, Liverpool are losing quite a few midfielders in the in the summer. You know, Mill at the moment's going, Cater's going, Oxlade Chamberlain's going, Firmino up front, he's definitely going. But they don't have limited. They don't have unlimited funds, do they? They're not Chelsea. They're not Man City. They're not Newcastle. Klopp's always known that, and he's never made any bones about this fact. And 
while Liverpool, I'm sure Ghosty's got uh, certain views on this, could have signed Chimaney last summer and decided, well, we won't spend that money on that. Whether they spent it on Nunes to go bigger on Nunes, whether they saved a bit for Bellingham bid, only they know. We don't know. But Diddley Liverpool, short in midfield in the sense of not so much this season because, yeah, there was loads of injuries, but they still had an awful lot of midfielders. It's left them short this summer. It means they've got to do more work this summer. And again, they took a gamble. Ultimately, it backfired last summer by not signing a midfielder. You can understand why they did it, but all the kind of the suspected negatives of players being injured, that happened. Don't think they fully expected both Fabinho and Henderson to drop off in form the way that they did. I think you know Bakhetic, he's been a bonus, but he's what 18 years of age. And I know Bellingham's 19. We'll come on to discuss that in a minute. Uh, but he's only 18. He's not played many senior games of football. He can't be somebody that you can pin everything on. So yeah, I mean, obviously supporters are going to be disappointed, but ultimately it's gone now. Now Liverpool and the supporters, and Liverpool already obviously already have been doing this. They're looking to what they can do next, and supporters have to look at that as well. And it was always going to be a big summer for Liverpool, and because of, we now know that Bellingham's not coming, it's going to be an even bigger one because Liverpool aren't just now signing midfielders to bolster the squad. They're going to have to do things, which in the short term, at the least, they're going to have to sate some of the angry fans because I'm sure whoever they sign, if they start winning games, the fans will be happy. Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing, because you know, fans on Twitter are already furious about this, I mean, and rightly so, because you know, the transfer target that we've spoken about for the past year has now gone away, effectively. It's quite similar to Chiumeni, but I feel like Bellingham could have maybe more of an effect. I mean, Gorsty, what's your thoughts on this? You know, is it the right decision? Is there any way they could justify not moving for Bellingham as well? Because, as me and Dolly said, their fans will be furious. Now, is there any case where there is a better scenario than signing Jude Bellingham? <sighs> I mean, I can see the logic in terms of them saying they've got X amount to play with this summer. So let's say, for example, it's 150 million. If Bellingham's going to take up 115 to 130 of that, uh, I think we've all accepted they need more than just one midfielder, don't we? So there is a logic to it. Um, but my worry is, or my concern is, why why is it just now becoming a shock that Bellingham's going to cost the earth? You know, I think anyone who's even got a passing interest in football over the last couple of years will know that he's the in-demand central midfielder isn't he you know Enzo Fernandez has just gone to Chelsea there for 106 million um not two months ago um so he was always going to cost at least that and and all reports that have come from Germany or reports that it's come from from the Echo or you know whether it's Joyce at the time whoever whoever's reported about Drew Bellingham in the last year or so has always written that ballpark figure of 100 million upwards uh, I was speaking to, to someone last night who suggested that Liverpool thought his asking price would have been around about £80 million before the World Cup. And that's obviously skyrocketed since. And then the, the Chelsea deal for Fernandez has, has kind of muddied the waters as well. But uh, I think I think this kind of shows just the, the state of where Liverpool are at the moment. They're a club who are on the knees in terms of, you know, football-wise. Me and, me and Dodi have been to pretty much every game this season and there have been the odd eye point. But Generally, we've seen them certainly on the road get beat most weeks, and and they look like they're in desperate need of the full time whistle already. Um, they're a club who are in a bit of flux off the pitch in terms of the the they've just recruited or rather promoted a 
new head of research who's going to be taking over from Ian Graham when he leaves, which is obviously a vital role for recruitment. Uh, they need a sporting director when Julian Ward steps away. They're also still searching for external investments at the very top of the club. So everywhere you look across the football club at the moment, they're a club who are in flux, who are in transition, who desperately need something to cling on to for, for the coming years. And I think for many, Bellingham was that, to be honest. I think this idea of a all-singing, all-dancing centre midfielder who's coming in at 19 years of age, who can be your new Steven Gerrard, if you like, for, for lack of a better phrase, for the next 10 years. Um, he, to many, was going to be the almost a bit of a magic wand to secure the ills. And, of course, it was never going to be as simple as that. But, you know, him coming in June or July would have been a massive statement that this is still a club who've got ambitions of looking upwards and getting back to where they've been, you know, just 12 months ago, to be honest. But now it's a case of he's going to be costing too much for the team or a club who are going to be outside the Champions League. We're going to have to spread our budget, uh, a budget that's not going to be as significant as a Manchester United or a Manchester City or a Chelsea or maybe even an Arsenal this summer. Uh, that's got to be spread across two, three, four midfielders. I'm not totally enthused by who Liverpool are looking at, if I'm being honest, um, outside of... It was a case of if, for example, a Conor Gallagher arrives next to a Jude Bellingham, you can say, OK, we, we cleared it over the marquee sign is there and maybe there's, there's scope for potential there with, with Conor Gallagher or whatever. But if Mason Mount now, for example, is the, the marquee arrival this summer, then I've got grave concerns about Liverpool's ability to really compete again at the top end of the Premier League. Maybe it's going to be another fight for the top four and then building from that. But that sets the project back, if you like, another year or so. Jürgen Klopp's only signed on for another few more years. So it's a really worrying kind of domino effect. And um, me and Doyle had a little bit of a difference of opinion about it last night. He didn't seem as overly kind of frustrated as I was in terms of, you know, what it means for the long term. Um but yeah, I, I just worry about the state of the club at the moment. I really do. I, I said a couple of weeks ago on, on the pod when Joe Rimmer hosted it that there's a lot to be excited about for the long term. Um, and that was kind of with with the potential Bellingham coming in this summer in mind. Now I'm looking at it thinking they're going to have to do something special this summer to really appease fans. And, and like Dodie says, if they start winning games again, things get forgotten about quickly, don't they? Um, but... I worry about their ability to do that because they certainly haven't shown they can do it consistently this season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I'm completely with you there, Gorty. I think I could maybe get the reasoning behind not spending 130 million on Jude Bellingham, but there's all this talk of the summer rebuild. I think you need that marquee signing. You need a at least 100 million pound midfielder to come in Why? and transform. Why? I think I think you do. Do I mean? I was going to put this question to you, Dolly, because would you rather <laughs> have you know two or three 50 million pound signings? Who? Well, you, you basically need someone who's guaranteed to start and be Liverpool's best midfielder. Well, midfield because he can make the other players around him better let, than can't let, he but let's just calm down for a little bit basically 
Jude Bellingham is not the only midfielder in the world who would improve Liverpool's midfield. You know what I mean? No. There's, abs- yeah. you, there's absolutely, if given how, how they played this season, there's absolutely tons of them. Right. So look at when Liverpool did dominate, which was only like a couple of years ago. We're talking, in fact, they won, they almost won nearly everything last year. So less than 12 months ago, we're talking here. The midfield consisted of uh, former Sunderland youngster who'd been at the club for years. Somebody from Monaco, uh, somebody they signed from a relegated Newcastle. No, well, before that, somebody from a relegated Newcastle team. We're talking Wayne Alden there, a veteran in James Milner, somebody who couldn't really nail down a proper position at Arsenal, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, um, and then somebody who joined Liverpool and kept on being injured, Naby Keita. That's before we get to Thiago, and I'm sure there's one or two other midfielders who have just forgotten in there as well. But the point is that everybody gets kind of worked up about. Big names, hundred million signings. How many teams are going to make a hundred million pound signings this summer in the Premier League? Three or four, of them, maybe. That, yeah. Get, but, yeah, okay. Uh, Chelsea can because they just spend trillions of pounds on everybody, and that will come back to bite them. So you can go down that road if you want, and then possibly go out of business just because you wanted to sign Jude Bellingham. Now I'm not defending Liverpool. I'm just this is like basic facts. This is maths. This is just the way that it is. My personal opinion, and I know Ghosty knows this, is that I thought they were going to sign Bellingham because I thought that they'd probably do something like, they were so convinced that they were going to sign him. But I also think that that came from the basis of they weren't going to go as bad as they've become this year. And I think that's the big thing. And then as Ghosty has said in the past, is that then that comes back to why didn't they sign a midfielder last summer? He says, well, they didn't sign a midfielder last summer because they wanted the particular on Chumaney. And then they went, well, we can actually just go with what we've got now because we think we're going to get, but we're pretty sure we're getting... We're going to have got a very good chance of getting Bellingham in the summer, next summer. And obviously, everything that could go wrong in that respect has gone wrong. So it's what happens now. It's like, would you take, I don't know, say, Kasev, this is just me just talking now. Because basically, the other thing is that Liverpool need a defensive midfielder. Bellingham isn't that. He's a different kind of midfielder. You'd say he's more in the vein of, of, of Mount or someone like that. Now, that's why I thought it was quite interesting that Liverpool were after Bellingham and Mount, because I was still thinking, well, hang on, where's the defensive midfielder here? They still need one. So I do think there's possibly one of those that have, I wouldn't say a big name, but certainly a recognisable name is going to come in. But then when Fabinho came in, how many people had properly heard of him and understood what he could do? You know, he, now he, you put... he was known, Fabinho, to yeah, but he was a good run in the Champions but he League. Wasn't, yeah. But he wasn't the kind of player that everyone, oh my God, yay, Fabinho at the time. They were once he signed him. They were once he signed him. They were happy with that when he signed. They were happy with that. Yeah, I think there was the time as well. I think Bakio Bakioka and Fabinho were very sought after. To be fair to them both, I think. Yeah, and one back five. There was loads from that team. Okay, all right then, fine. But then, say the lad at Brighton, he's very much sought after. Did Liverpool sign him? Would you be happy with that? Yeah, I, I, the, the thing from from my point of view now is. The, the players who we know Liverpool are interested in and, and others who we've seen kind of reported, I don't know what, what for me anyway, for what, what combination of players they they could sign that would make me think, oh, well, that's going to appease the fans with the pitchforks. Liverpool... Does, does that matter? A lot of, a lot of does Liverpool, that matter? A lot of Liverpool supporters, um, at the best of times, Liverpool are absolutely flying. We saw it 12 months ago. You know, so many were still demanding that this is an ownership group who don't spend enough money, who don't invest enough in the squad. And when Liverpool are, are winning things, and you can you can sort of just 
put two fingers up to that point of view and say, well, look, look what's going on on the pitch. Football is about what's happening on the pitch and Liverpool are getting to the Champions League finals. They're getting 92 Premier League points. They're winning FA Cups, um, Carabao Cups. But when it all falls apart, that's when you can look at it and think, well, there's a, um, there's a fine line between kind of being prudent and being almost negligent. And Liverpool are 12 points off the top four now. God knows where they're going to finish. Um, it looks like they've they've come over the other side of that. So I, I'm not sure what combination of transfer targets they bring in that would make people think, okay, fair enough. We've missed out on the player who, who they've wanted for two years. Let's see what happens now. But then does that really matter? Does it matter what the fans think in that sense? Well, of course, it always matters what the fans it only, think. But then it goes back to what it matters on the pitch. You just basically say, so only going to have matters on the pitch. Then it's like, yeah. do the fans How long, how long do you give that then? Another, another the 12 months? trust the recruitment team? The recruitment team that's there now, or the recruitment team that whoever the sport new sport that's just going to be... <laughs> the recruitment team that isn't there at the moment. It's the well, problem. I think well, it's still got clock. No one, no, yeah. not a single person signed for Liverpool because of Michael Edwards. They signed for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, Michael Edwards helped the transfers, and he's very good at it. But ultimately, mm. they'll come for Klopp and they'll come for Liverpool. And so those two things haven't changed. So I don't think I read a comment on one of my pieces before uh, about saying that the fans are getting so upset about this thinking there's nobody else out there as kind of demeaning themselves and the club. I think that's the point. I was, they said it a lot a lot more concisely than I just said it before. So that's my point. There are other midfielders there. Yeah, I'd love to have signed Bellingham. Would have been brilliant at Liverpool. But he's still only 19. You know what I mean? So he yeah. could still play another four years. And, then he, and he's played a lot of games already up. as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Exactly. So you see, for him, it's not a massive deal for him. He probably might even stay at Dortmund this summer. I mean, that's one of the points I was going to make. Yeah, there's, there's every case he may stay at Dortmund. He's, there's a quote from Build Sport today that's come out um, in the past couple of hours saying that he's not interested in big money clubs or a big money move, apparently. I mean, there's every chance he stays at Dortmund and then he, his contract expires, I believe, in 2025, I think. I might be correct in saying. So, you know, there's every chance he could be a cheaper option next summer. Maybe that's Liverpool's transfer strategy in this. But I mean, but, but, but again, that's, that's irrelevant now. What's relevant yeah. now is what happens in the summer. So that's and all that, that matters yeah. now. We've done this podcast talking about Bellingham. It's like, well, actually, a yeah, great tapper now. Right, let's see what they're going to do next. And I know Ghosty's not too happy with some of the names that have been mentioned. I do think the Gallagher's the one that, that everyone's getting upset about, but he's no, like... He's, talk to you about Donna Gallagher, he's, pro- he's properly down the list, though. He's properly down the list. I'd drop him further down. He's got... Okay. If you look at it, Gallagher would replace somebody like Ox or Cater, who've hardly played this season. And he would be available. And he's English. And I think that's another thing that people have to bear in mind. They do need to get <laughs> not not so much English, but homegrown players. You laugh, but you know, oh, yeah, if, they do a, if they do a squad, if they do a squad and there's like about six players in it, so you know what I mean? Okay, it wouldn't be that extreme, but that, that is something that they have to bear in mind as well. I might, I might tell Jagan on Friday that I'm available in English. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. <laughs> the point I want to put to you both is the, the concern there is, let's say, hypothetically, I'm coming off of these off the top of my head, let's say they go for Mount uh, McAllister from Brighton, then they sign a six, someone like Sangare from PSV. That's, that's quite a likely transfer window. Now, are any of those three guaranteed to start week in, week out over, say, no, granted no the outform for Benio, Thiago, Henderson? I mean, are you going for I, a more I, rounded I think, midfield or would you I rather have one 12, big starter? 12 months ago, I think you'd have a pretty defined Best eleven for Liverpool, I think. Maybe the only question mark for me was do you go with Canate or Matter? You know, at the moment I couldn't tell you what Liverpool's best midfield 
combination is at all. Um, it it genuinely just varies on the game to game. If it's a Manchester United at home, you'd want Jordan Henderson in there for you know Brighton away. You probably wouldn't. So Liverpool's midfield options have have um, completely changed in terms of the. I guess the ability, we've seen the drop-off of, of so many of them. Uh, me and you were talking last night, though, you were me about Fabinho, just kind of in passing. I think we both agreed that maybe his best days have gone and you know someone needs to come in to play more regularly. And In his position going forward, we'll obviously have Stefan Bacetic as an option next season. Um, but at the moment, I, I couldn't tell you what I think Liverpool's best midfield trio is. So do, yeah, they, that underlines the point that they need a defensive midfielder. That's one player that they need. Yeah, and say for example, Bellingham and Mount, they're neither. I've said it before, they're, they're neither. So they're going to have to spend big on that, and I think that's one of the things that set them back. Because I don't think they expected Fabinho and Henderson to quite fall off the way that they did. I think the interesting thing there is that did they sell Fabinho? I mean, they, I mean, they could do. Who's going to buy him now? Though after this season, is the problem there. But then he's still got, you know what I mean? He's still, he not every team plays like Liverpool, million, you know, not a million miles an hour, but quite energetic. And so he'd still be able to do a job at loads of teams. You could see him do very well in, in Italy, for example. So I don't necessarily think he'll have a problem finding a club. But it's whether they can fit the game that Liverpool want to play. And Bellingham would have been, you know, your box-to-box player. He can, he's, but he's not defensive midfield. Mount certainly isn't. Gallagher's not. we go back to him, you know, he, he's... He, you can see why they would be looking at him. You know, he may not be the greatest player in the world, he isn't. But Liverpool have taken players from some of their near rivals who've not quite worked out in the past and they've, they've, they've turned them into players. So I don't think, uh, obviously, a lot of people are upset, but come on, it's not the end of the world, is it? You never, Bellingham never played for Liverpool anyway. Let's, yeah. just, let's, <laughs> see where, let's see who else is out there. If I've said before, if everybody's right, then there'll be hundreds of players who can improve Liverpool's midfield. Now, it's the level that you want to go at, and then you've got to temper expectation. Now, I'll ask you two, what is a good season for Liverpool next season? I mean, just to interrupt this, so the point I was going to make is, you know, I mentioned there maybe I think you need one over three midfielders. I think you could argue the case for getting two or three with Champions League football because it's highly competitive games week in, week out. It's very likely next season they'll be in the Europa League, maybe even the Conference League, where I think you can afford to maybe play a midfield of, say, the likes of Curtis Jones and Carvalho can play in the Europa League. You don't necessarily need, you know, six starting midfielders that you can rotate for Liverpool. I think that's the situation there. I think next season, I'd like to see Europa League used as a sort of, not a trial, but I mean, obviously you want to win every competition. That's the whole point of following the club. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's a really difficult one. Yeah. They haven't qualified yet. <laughs> they haven't qualified yet. I mean, not being in Europe at all might even be a good thing for them because then you look at Arsenal this season, they've not really paid that much attention to Europe. I know they obviously didn't want to get knocked out. But they've had a very consistent team and they've allowed that rebuild because they've been in the Champions League since 2017, you've got to remember. And having that consistency within a midfield that's you know playing together week in, week out, not changing every week because the players are so badly out of form and injured all the time. I think that's you know the case for signing one or two players that are big names that will come in and transform it rather than signing a few different ones. I mean, I don't know your take on that, Gorsty, but... Yeah, I mean, I suppose the big question is how much, how much money Liverpool are going to have. I think that's been the issue for the last, what are we on now, April, six months, say. You know, they've never been truly sure if they're going to be able to finish in the Champions League, which for a club that is, you know, run as a kind of self sustainable 
model on its own two feet, the Champions League money is is imperative. You know, Jürgen Klopp said that for for years. You know, even when Liverpool were at their absolute best and they were challenging Man City every year, he's always kind of maintained that Champions League football is the first one you want to tick off because then you know what you've got to play with for the following summer. It's why they were kind of able to do things relatively early in recent years. They obviously confirmed Canate in May uh, 2021. That was before that season had even technically ended. I think they confirmed him on was it the Wednesday afternoon and Liverpool's last game of the season was on the Sunday. Um, they obviously brought in Nunes in June. That, so, re, you know, recent years, Liverpool have, have done their business early. Now, I suppose the flip side of it is they probably know they're not going to be getting top four, you know, quite early on. So, how much have they got to spend? And, and spinning plates seems to have been the the regular phrase, you know, behind behind the scenes at Liverpool this season. You know, we're, all, we're spinning plates because we don't know what we're, we're able to do or what we're not able to do. So, I suppose, in a way, in a way that was unwanted, they at least know now that, okay, well, we're not going to have X amount of money coming in from the Champions League. So, we've got this amount of money to play with and the external investment issue is just, you know, if that happens, it happens fine, but we're planning for life without it. So Liverpool will at least know what they have. Um, the worry is it's obviously going to be a diminished pot and they need quite a few players. So um, it's going to be a, an interesting summer and one that I'd suggest not everyone's going to be on board with, whoever they bring in. Yeah. That's all to be honest. You mentioned that about getting the business done early. Um, Klopp said, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? He was asked about transfers, wasn't he? And he said, yeah, we've had positive talks during the, the international break yeah. about about players. So, obviously, things are happening. Whether it's behind the scenes, whether that was, you know, I would hardly say that, you know, that, that, that positive chat was like, yeah, we're not going for Bellingham anymore. But he's obviously, <laughs> t- he's obviously taken, he's obviously taken the decision to, well, we can't just get involved in like a big bidding war. We need players now. We need to crack on with this. And also because they're not going to be in the Champions League, that's another reason to get things done, get a move on. Because they're selling, again, mm. he's back to, Klopp's back to selling the vision of the future rather than the present. So he's gone right back to square one to when he first started because obviously Liverpool aren't going to be in the Champions League. The good thing, though, is that everybody's seen what he can do and what the team can do. And there's still lots of good players in the Liverpool team. Just a lot of them are having a bad season. So... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the midfield is has, has been the, not the only issue, but it has been a big issue that's become even bigger. Although I would, would would take exception to some people on Twitter saying this is the biggest summer in the club's history, and it's like, well, it's not, is it? It really isn't. It's not even close to being. But it's a big summer in terms of what they want to do over the next few years. And the question, which neither of you answered, what's a good season for Liverpool next year? What's the target next season? I don't really know. I don't think you can say it now in, in April before we've seen what a full transfer window looks like. I, th- I just got images of, of Klopp having a meeting during that international break, and, you know, whether it's with Julian Ward or whoever. And the bad news is, Jürgen, we can't get Bellingham. Conor Gallagher's available. <laughs> you got to leave him alone in case he signs. He's, he's still thinking about the bad news, aren't you? He's not, not going to be chatting to you, Ghosty. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, thing, one thing I would say in Liverpool's favour is, the once they know who they want, they wrap it up quite quickly, don't they? Um, I think we've they've proven that time and time again. You know, the look at how quickly they move for Gakpo over Christmas. I think talks was it Christmas Eve, Christmas night, and, and Boxing Day, and then he was confirmed as a Liverpool player. Um, Canate, like like I say, that that was done relatively quickly, wasn't it? Um, Fabinho, Jota, you know, 
when Liverpool, even Thiago to an extent, he was obviously linked speculation for months, but I think Liverpool finally started speaking to, to Bayern Munich on Monday or Tuesday, and by Friday he, he'd signed and he was a Liverpool player. So when when they go for a player, it's, it's done quite quickly. So I think that is, is something to be positive about for Liverpool supporters listening to this. Probably, um, you know, no doubt downbeat by the news. Um yep. You know, for all the kind of other teams are linked with players for months and months on end and there doesn't seem to be any progress. Liverpool, when they want a player, they move quickly and before you know it, they're usually through the door. That's what makes the Mason Mount thing interesting for me because obviously he's got the situation with his contract at Chelsea. So I can't see Liverpool waiting and waiting and waiting. They'll just have said to him, look, are you coming or not? And they'll have given him some kind of set date because if not, they'll just go off and see somebody else. So he could be somebody if he is coming that could be wrapped up really quickly. I mean, so, that one seems to have been a can of worms though. Dolly Lampard's just come back in. He's obviously a huge fan of Mount. He'll, he'll likely start playing again. Lampard was quoted in a press conference saying, "You know, he's a huge player for Chelsea, etc." I mean, do you think that could Lampard be Lampard is going to be the Chelsea manager after this season? No. Um, do you think the next Chelsea manager <laughs> and, will and like to move on? And they can't yeah. sign him this season, so yeah. that's the end of that. Yeah. Well, there we go. A bit of positivity then for us all to end on there, Liverpool fans. I mean, you know, nothing's certain yet. There could be some more twists and turns in this tale. You do never know. I mean, we spoke about this Bellingham story for the entire time I've worked at the Echo. But um, anyway, for the latest news and updates on Jude Bellingham, make sure you're following both Ian Doyle and Paul Gorst on Twitter and keeping across the Echo site and socials. Whilst, of course, ensuring you're subscribed to Blood Red on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss any of our daily videos and podcasts. But for myself, Patrick Smith, Ian Doyle and Paul Gorst, thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.